47% of millennial Christians report that evangelism is wrong. That sharing my faith with someone who doesn't believe is wrong. So that's almost half. They're not saying it's undesirable. They're not saying it's difficult. They're saying, I think it's wrong. Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Well, hello and welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. I'm glad you're here. If you're a newbie, welcome to the club. If you've been faithfully listening to all of these, please uh, rate, review, give us a a five-star review. We'd appreciate it. Um, Share the news about what's going on here on the podcast. Today, um, I'm really excited about the conversation that I had with Craig Springer. Craig is the executive director of Alpha USA. If you've never heard of Alpha, it's an evangelistic program that uh, is all over the world. It, it runs over in over 6,500 churches across every major denominations and 500 prisons throughout just the United States. Every year, they mobilize 50,000 volunteers. They have 360,000 participants. And as you're going to hear today, Alpha does an incredible job of bringing believers and non-believers together in a context of honest conversation and exploration of the gospel. And the results are really stunning. I want to share uh, this conversation with you, so enjoy. Well, I'm sitting here with Craig Springer. Craig Springer is the executive director of Alpha USA. Craig, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Adam, I love it. I'm so glad to, to connect with you and to everyone out there listening. This is going to be awesome. So, First question, I'm interested. Um, how in the world did your life prepare you to be the executive director of Alpha USA? I don't know. I mean, I look back and I remember saying yes to Jesus in four weeks before I graduated high school, lived a completely rebellious teenage daydream and woke up and said, God, if you're real, show up. And Were you in a Christian family at the time? Um, uh, my, my father was Jewish. My mother took us to a church at some points growing up. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was a major part of our life, but okay. it certainly wasn't a major part of my heart. And <laughs> I, after praying that prayer kind of on my own, of an amazing Christian family that I had befriended invited me to church. I went to this phenomenal church and it was just given to me so clearly and you know, Jesus is a living water. And I just told him I'm so thirsty. And so I remember feeling like God had opened my eyes so simply. And then over the years, I started realizing that's not the case for everyone where, mm. you know, they're stuck. They feel empty. They they feel hopeless and they're crying out in whatever way. And there isn't always a, flourishing church or a, or a loving Christian family right around the corner. Mm. And so one, one sort of pit stop of my life was a three year church plant in Prague, Czech Republic, which is considered one of, if not the most atheist nations in the world. And I felt called there because, you know, when I cried out to the Lord, he showed me the way easily. And so many people and families are crying out. And again, there's just not that opportunity. So I'm very passionate about evangelism. It's always been my number one passion to help people see Christ in the way that he showed himself to me. And and just fast forwarding, was in leadership in two large churches in 
um, we started seeing a decline in our ability to reach the next generation in our communities. And we start turning to Alpha to help sort of mm. what's working in this post-Christian context. How, how did and you get introduced to, how, how did you first encounter it? I honestly don't, don't remember. I mean, <laughs> kind of, kind of a, in some circles pretty known and, and, you know, sure. it, it, and I won't go too deeply into Alpha yet, but it's, it was shaped in, in central London 30 plus years ago, you know, truly secular post-Christian city center, global center where the church was all but dead. And it started leading a transformation of thousands and thousands of people coming to faith. And over the years grew globally to 26 million going through it. And we just said, let's try. And we started seeing huge fruitfulness in our church over time, people saying yes to Jesus, being baptized, inviting their friends. And it, and it just reignited this, this passion for evangelism that works. And ultimately I was asked to lead Alpha in the U S and it was hard to step out of pastoral leadership, but I felt a very strong push from the Lord to say, Craig, I want you particularly to leave the 99 um, and go after the one with your life, with your time, with the best hours of your day. And so that was a very clear I, I believe kind of direction to stepping into alpha. It seems to me, it's, it seems like so many of the um, people I know who are most passionate about evangelism are people who very often grew up in non-Christian families, didn't know about Jesus, didn't know about the gospel, were living for themselves and then had a pretty radical conversion experience. I guess so. I do see that too. I mean, we, we have seen, I guess the, the tunnel of darkness and lived it and then received not to make it sound cliche, but receive the light of Christ. Amen. And yeah. And I, and I also feel pretty capable to empathize with people who just don't understand or don't get it or come from a world where faith seems so far away. Yeah. And so I think there's also just a implicit development in knowing how to communicate and connect with people from that background. So you've been with Alpha for how long now? You said th- three or four? Yeah, a little over three years okay. as the executive director for Alpha and then using it for, you know, six plus years or seven years as a pastor. All right, that's awesome. So so for those who don't know uh, that kind of how Alpha works, I mean, I know I know what I experienced uh, when I looked into it in the uh, in the early 2000s. What, is, what does Alpha look like? How does Alpha work? Yeah, it's really a eight to 10 week course experience and we give it away for free to churches and it creates an environment for people to come with doubts, questions, hostilities, frustrations about faith. Um, number one, they receive a great meal. So it's all, it's kind of hospitality driven. Number two, we have a set, a series of talks okay. connected alpha. Now it's a extremely high quality global documentary. The films are all about 20, 25 minutes long. And then the most important part though is a small group discussion. And so people come often in medium sized group settings where there's a bunch of different small groups and and they have discussion and the key point, and I can share a little bit of backdrop about why if we get into it, but the key point is that the alpha hosts create a space for listening. So we tell people we're not going to answer your, your questions in this group. It's not about, the host being the expert apologist or, 
the perfect theologian, but but they're creating a space, almost like a dinner party, for yeah. conversation about faith. And over the course of time, you know, the content is delivering the truth, but the space creates belonging for people with questions, and that reduces those walls and filters and and ultimately we get to the heart level and invite people to trust in Jesus. And so over the years, um, again, globally, we've seen about 26 million people go through it. Barna did an impact study in alpha a couple years back and found that someone who's a true atheist or agnostic who goes through alpha and completes the course all the way through 82% of them report developing a relationship with Jesus on the other end. So it's (laughs) phenomenal fruitfulness. And then also in the middle of Alpha there of the course, there's a, a weekend or a day retreat. And that's a real kind of immersion into prayer, experience of God's presence and the Holy Spirit. And that's often where people receive Christ at, at that time. That's incredible. Yeah. And so churches run Alpha as a course a couple times a year. So there's always an easy front door invitation for people who maybe the invitation to a weekend service would be going too far, but they know, hey, just come have a great dinner. We'll talk about life and faith and see what you think. And no one's going to correct you or, you know, jam it down your throat. And if you like it, come back to the next, next evening. So, so alpha has been going on in the U S how long? About 20 years. Okay. So 20 years, Uh, that, that's a, that's quite a, quite a, a track record. Um, and, uh, I, I was looking into what you guys have been up to lately and it looks like you partnered with Barna and recently published a major document called Reviving Evangelism. Um, In the introduction to that document, you write, if you go to a fantastic restaurant or watch an unforgettable movie, what's the first thing you want to do after you savor the moment? Share it. It's natural to want others to experience what we love. Unfortunately, when it comes to evangelism in America, this instinct is fading fast. We post Instagram novellas of what we had for dinner, but in an interesting twist of our time, U.S. Christians are losing the desire to share their faith. Man, uh, <laughs> that's a stark observation. It's an incredible way to open up that document. And um, I'm interested, what did you guys learn in this study? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it is data-driven, but one of the realities that we all have to acknowledge is we're in almost like the shifting of an epoch of yeah. our culture in America. And it, you know, it's gone from, you know, maybe 50 years ago where it was sort of expected that you were a Christian attended church. And then over time that shifted to where, uh, from an expectation to you, it was accepted that you were. And then over time it shifted into sort of irrelevance, but now it, in many cases we're shifting into a a new post-Christian reality over the last 10, 15 years where, Christians and experience of following Christ is, is seen as extremist in yeah. our culture. And uh, I think Christians have leaned on methodology of evangelism and, and languages worked in so the, sort of those previous epochs yeah. and now are seeing that's not working anymore. And so just, you know, some of the data that, that came out, um, the most startling point is that 47% of millennial Christians, so millennials being approximately, you know, 18 to age 35 or so, report that evangelism is wrong. Sharing my faith with someone who doesn't believe is wrong. So that's almost half. They're not saying it's undesirable. They're not saying it's difficult. They're saying, 
I think it's wrong. That's, that's, that's just, well, yeah, it's, it's and, um in some ways you can see why they do, because there was, I think I read another statistic in there. Isn't it something like 60% of people in America think it's religiously extreme to try to convert somebody else. Is it, is yeah. that, was that the number? Yeah, I think you're right. And, so, and, so they're responding to some sort of pressure, right? Yeah, and just building that picture out a little bit clearer across all adults, so every generation of U.S. Christians are having two or less spiritual conversations a year. Wow. 38% of adult Christians in the U.S. report not having a single non-Christian friend or family member in their life. And and you think this is how our faith is supposed to spread. You know, we're, we're commanded, go and make disciples of all nations. But we are seeing a, a, a major decline, and it is pronounced in the millennial generation. We didn't pull enough data on the Gen Z or what's maybe called the iGen, which would yeah. be everyone under about age 18, which are quickly entering the scene. But we might want to say, well, it's the millennials, you know, it's the millennial Christians. <laughs> we we blame them for everything, don't we? Yeah, right. They're self-entitled, device-addicted. You know, maybe they've lost their commitment to uh, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. I mean, who knows what? Who knows? But it's very important to turn away from that conclusion. And the data points it out. 94% of those same millennial Christians 47% of whom said evangelism is wrong. 94% said the best thing that can happen to any of their friends is they come to know Jesus. Wow. So they want Jesus to be known. How, how, what is, yeah, what is that disconnect? What is the disconnect? I don't get that. How do, you, how do you have both of those things in your head at the same time? Well, uh, let me play with data, be a little more geeky for a second. There, uh, number one, Spiritual conversations across America, and this is all again from that reviving evangelism study with Barna, sort of like the state of evangelism in the U.S. right now. Spiritual conversations among millennials are happening with more occurrence than Xers, boomers, and elders. So we can't say that people are not interested in spiritual things anymore. The hunger is there and maybe even more pronounced. Millennial Christians have more non-Christian friends than any prior generation outside the church. So they're more connected. And they actually even reported feeling more equipped at sharing their faith than the prior generation. So here, here they're saying, I'm tuned in, I'm tapped in, I'm connected, and I'm equipped more than you, you know, extras, boomers, and elders. Uh, which, by the way, we have to remember whenever we start reflecting on millennials who raised them, but yeah. we did. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one more geek data point. The statement, disagreement, is now interpreted as judgment. Mm. is up 100% among millennials than it was among Xers and then 100% among Xers than it was among boomers. So what's going on? Not only is it a post-Christian shift in our culture, it is a post-discourse, post-respect shift. In our, we can't talk to each other. We yes. can't. There's a, we're retreating to our corners of isolationism in our, in our world. You said, you know, politically, um, with religion, whatever, you know, vegans in their corner, you name it. Yeah. We, well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. We, we live in a, in a polarized society now. I think it's amplified by um, social media. You, know, mm -hmm. you can throw verbal hand grenades and hide behind, you know, twi uh, Twitter, but there's millennial Christians are basically saying, I cannot share faith the way you've taught me, you know, in a sense, oh. you're handing me, 
cassette tapes when all my friends are listening to Spotify playlists, you know, when it comes to evangelism. And we, we have to find a new way to shift in how we share our faith because we're in a post-everything society today. Man, that is, that's incredible. Um, you, you mentioned it. Barna partnered with you to take a look at your global impact recently. The results blew my mind. Uh, 95% of participants said that you had a positive impact on their lives. 79% said that they'd recommend Alpha to their friends. 82% of non-Christian participants describe themselves as followers of Jesus after taking part in an Alpha course. I mean, I don't know of any other place where you could look and say, this is our goal. This is what we want to see. This is the outcome we're aiming for. And you see that level of success. And I just wonder how in the world do you explain results like that? I mean, obviously, I believe that you're going to say we pray and we trust Jesus. And I I agree with all of that. But there's something you guys are doing that is making a difference. And it's a predictably strong impact. So what what is that? Yeah. Well, we pray and we trust Jesus. Yeah, of course. (laughs) We really do. Yeah. Um, And and I and I don't just say that flippantly. No, We, we we really do. But beyond that, I think the soil where Alpha was developed came out of a place of desperation. Again, in this deeply post-Christian kind of Church of England society, where the the church was just emptying rapidly and had, had very little impact in the world around it. And so we've got to um, not, we have to throw away the playbook in a sense, not certainly not throw away the gospel, but, um, and so alpha, I mean, I have a couple key shifts. I think that are built out of the reviving evangelism study that represent a few key distinctives of alpha. And okay. I think, Alpha's landing in the cultural moment that we find ourselves in right now as a way of approachably creating space for non-Christians to explore faith, find belonging in community, and ultimately in the Lord. Hmm. And um, so the, I'll just kind of jump in, you know, even just the first one. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions. He only directly answers eight questions. Oh my. It's profound when you, when you look at Jesus's style of evangelism and what worked in his context, you know, we're trained in a society that has, is, is sort of, uh, preemptively open to the gospel because of all the Christian culture and values that have been built up over the last 50 years in our, in our American society. And so we're, we're trained. If we see a gap in belief or theology in someone's life, we're going to bring in the hammer and nail in the truth. Like it's a two by four heart. And so we've, we've depended solely on the skill of proclamation. Hmm. We have proclamation moments every single Sunday or Saturday night. We, we train personal evangelists in proclamation. You see, uh, you know, missing detail of belief, fill it in with proclamation. Now we have to proclaim and, and, you know, hear me clearly. Romans 10, 14 is true. Yeah. How will they hear about it unless we tell them, but it's been the single definitive strategy. And in some cases, all we have are, um, you know, the analogy of theater style seating and speaker systems 
one dimensional proclamation. Yeah. But now all these questions and hurts and hostilities are rising up in our culture and we've lost the easy respect of the world around us mm-hmm. as, as Christians. And if we're only proclaiming, we're, we're actually shutting down the questions in people's hearts. They close off before we can get from that first question. that's just in someone's head into their hearts. And so Jesus's style is through listening. It's, it's, it's conversation, not just proclamation. You know, he, he draws people together like Matthew's tax collector friends around a table full of sinners, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't perfect. It was messy. And, and that is the number one distinctive of Alpha. We, we actually train all the Alpha host and helper group, group leaders. Your job is not to proclaim. The, the Alpha um, film, we're going to proclaim the truth. It's very clear. There's apologetics built into it. The gospel is clear. It's compelling. It's narrative. But your job as that group helper is to be a listener. Draw people out. Say, tell me more. You know, where does that thought come from? What do you think? And it's startling to a non-Christian, all these hostilities who are expecting to come into the church, so they're getting pounded. Yeah. And instead, they're being drawn out and not being corrected. And it creates space, again, um, well, actually, the author, Professor David Augsburger, says that being listened to is so close to being loved that the average person can't tell the difference. <laughs> And what do we want to do if, if we, we actually just need to listen more as Christians? Yes. If there's, even disconnecting it from Alpha, which I thoroughly believe in, if there's one thing we need to remember as leaders, we have to train our people to be the very best listeners on the planet. You know, doing the calculations, Jesus asked about 40 times more questions than he gave answers. Wow. And so in our evangelistic efforts, have we asked 40 questions before we jump in with a proclamation? You know, have we created the space. Have we done the heart work in people's lives that absorbs their hostility through listening, lets them know that they're loved before they believe the way we do through listening. And so Alpha creates that context at scale and training people yeah. Yeah, very effectively in that. Well, that's, I think that's the key. I mean, I think a lot of what you're sharing, um, a lot of people would say, I, I can see that. I, I see the need for this. I've been here. You know, if you're a leader in the kingdom, you've been hearing these sorts of, we need to have more conversations, less proclamation. Some, some of that stuff will be familiar to people. The question I think a lot of leaders have is, okay, but how do you, how do, you do that in a local church? Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like Alpha provides a system for that, a helpful system for, for doing. What does it look like to implement Alpha in a local church? What, what, what do you do? Yeah, I think I'll answer that. But uh, one more shift, which, which. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah. Again, you know, most of our evangelism strategy is kind of based around me, me being the, the senior pastor. You know, I'm the number one evangelism strategy in the church. You get him here and I'll. <laughs> it. And we should keep doing that. You know, uh, uh, my church, we do response moments every week and I love it. And people say, yes, the problem is there's still hundreds of thousands of people in our communities who aren't going to show up to that moment and mm. receive it. Or as culture shifts, people are less and less willing automatically say, yeah, I'll go to a Sunday service, but they might come. Yeah, I'll go to a dinner party with a great meal and share my thoughts about faith. And so Alpha creates that additional front door. Um, and then We've, I've, I've found somewhat anecdotally just in the churches I've led 
5% of the people in our churches have the spiritual gift of evangelism in their top three gifts. <laughs> and Barna has done some spiritual gifts st studies and found that to be true too. So the question for pastor is how do I mobilize the other 95%? Yeah. How do I train them? Um, and Alpha creates that scalable model of training. We'll do it together. We'll do it in groups. Instead of a me-based strategy, it's a we-based strategy. Oh, we'll get okay. people together in groups, which again is what Jesus did. He did more ministry often around a table than in the temple itself. And you look back to that tax collector's dinner at Matthew's house, and he brought all the people on their journey together to explore faith. And so we can do that. We just haven't carved out that space for conversation and faith exploration in many of our churches. Mm -hmm. And so then the best leaders for those groups are not the 5% with the evangelism gift. Cause they're going to want to, <laughs> they're going to want to preach it and answer all the questions. And actually they should, and they will do that no matter what they'll be in Starbucks all across the city doing that. But we can mobilize the other 95% because you actually don't want an expert leading an alpha group, which is why it makes it easier. You want someone who's going to say, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> and draw people out. And, and they're actually telling the truth. Um, good, good listeners, people who, who, yeah. who enjoy the conversation itself and want to hear from those people. Yeah, great at hospitality. And, and you know, over the process of time, people are drawn to faith in Christ uh, in that setting. And so we, we train churches to launch alpha ministries, alpha groups. Uh, it's really very simple. The bar is low for a leader because you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, and then, and then because the, the talks are sort of all done, it, you can do it in a, in a pretty simple model. So you don't need a master teacher in every group. You don't need a master teacher to pull off a massive evangelism push. And what happens is people see that it works over time and that's easy. And instead of figuring out how I need to shift the conversation from the Super Bowl to the substitutionary atonement, you know, <laughs> over a beer and the driveway with your neighbor, you can just say, Hey, I don't, I don't really know all the details of this, but Jesus has made a huge difference in my life. You want to come to this awesome dinner we're throwing and you just get to unpack your thoughts there. And if you don't like it, you don't have to come back and the invitations get a whole lot easier. And, and then the process itself works over time and people. I love that. It. I love that. <laughs> That's so good, man. So alpha is, I think it sounds like to me, alpha is one of those beautiful things that's creating it creates an environment that's exactly, it creates an environment that's exactly what our culture needs right now and what Christians need. I mean, we are increasingly afraid to cross that line and have these conversations when the message we kind of get is, if you disagree with me or if you try to preach at me, you're intolerant, right? So we, we're afraid of that. But but also our culture is incredibly hungry for for friendship and and not not being in isolation. Yeah. And in so many ways to me, alpha models something lost in our in our culture, which is this idea that people who are different from each other can actually get along with each other. And yeah. I yeah, think that's, another, that's an incredible thing. Uh, another author, Christian Morgenstern, writes that home um, is not the place where you live. Home is where you're understood. Mm. And when I look at for many years, how I led church or shared my faith, I was rewriting that or basically communicating to those outside of faith. Um, you need to understand me. Mm. Yeah. And, and in many ways, churches only created space where people can come to try and understand the church. 
But when we create a space in our church strategy where the primary goal is for the guest to be understood, that's again, that's when we can finally have access to their hearts. And until we are approaching those outside the faith in this modern, you know, inflamed, polarized era, truly we want to understand you. Mm. I, I mean, I think about it even in how I parent. As my children are entering teenage years, you know, that directive, I'm going to tell you how it is, I'm going to tell you what you need to think, it just shuts them down. I've had to face the reality. I've got to change my approach to draw, you know, a little more Socratic, like draw them out. I have to seek to understand them, where they're coming from, before I'm ever going to get access to their ears or their heart. And in many ways, I feel like our evangelism training has often led to that directive or our church strategies like level of parenting for elementary children. Yeah. But if we want to reach adults, we have to change that approach. And Alpha is just a one, one way of doing that. And I really want to be clear. I mean, I still will share the gospel directly with a waitress if the God, you know, if God leads me to, or, 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 you know, on an airplane, whatever it is, I'm not saying we should throw all this stuff away. It's, it's just that we have to add to I agree. that proclamation style um, a space for listening where people can process over time. And so uh, it's working. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just incredible. Um, I wish we had another half hour to talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if listening is loving, which is, is what uh, people in our culture think. And, and, and you, you said earlier, then alpha is a way to create an environment where, where listening can happen. And um, I yeah. love it, and, man. That's incredible. Really quickly, one more key ingredient is I think back to Romans 1.16. It says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. And when I've looked at where I've put my energy when it comes to evangelism or evangelism leadership in a church, I, it's, I would have to rewrite that verse and say, um, the gospel is the explanation of men for the salvation of those who believe <laughs> or the, the strategy of my church or whatnot. And, and so often we focus on the transfer of information. The statement of beliefs is what we want someone to, to sort of sign their name on the dotted line. It's a cerebral exchange, but it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. It's, it's really a spiritual encounter. And what we found in this Barna study, non-Christians are reporting they'd be more open to faith if they had their own personal eye-opening spiritual experience themselves. And so we can't rely on logic alone. Now, of course, mm -hmm. we want to bring logic, but... Um, we're not introducing people in information. We're introducing people into the power and the presence and the person of Jesus. And so Amen. part of what sort of this 10 week process and a space for listening creates is, is a container for God to show up. And we often lead people on this prayer weekend just to say, Hey, even if you don't believe this stuff or have it all figured out yet, just pray, say, God, if you're real, show up. Hmm. And he does. And he breaks, breaks hearts open. And, and, you know, one, one guy um, in that prayer time said, you know, okay, I'll open the door of my heart to Jesus. And as I did, I, f I felt like a new chamber in my lungs open. I could breathe for the very first time. And mm -hmm. it's like anxiety just washed away. And I mean, he's in now. And so we have to introduce people, I think, to the, to the mystery of God's presence as part of the process, um, not just the information about God's beliefs. Um, and, and one more data point I forgot to mention about listening, the 
non-Christians in our study across the U.S. report what they're looking for in someone that would cause them to be more open to faith, to talk about faith is, number one, someone who listens without judgment. Number two, someone who um, doesn't force me to draw a conclusion. And they report the least effective conversations that they've had about faith with a Christian that caused them to turn away from faith are, number one, someone who is... Uh, who has all the answers to questions about faith, number one, or number two, someone who's good at debating topics, and number three, someone who forces me to draw a quick conclusion. <laughs> so I feel like, again, that non-Christians are saying, just just quiet down for a minute. Don't force me into this. Let me talk it out. And listen, don't, don't be all perfect and put together with your answers, but let's talk it through. And so, again, we're trying to create a, really a container for listening, belonging, trust building over time where God's presence can do more of the work than our quick answers. Amen. I love uh, how the uh, John's first letter, 1 John opens up and he talks about, you know, we've seen, we've, we've touched with our hands, we've, we've been present with Jesus, right? Mm. And he says, and now we share him with you. Um, it's, it's, it's the fellowship that we experience with Jesus that we invite other people into, even if they don't know him yet, even if they don't believe in him yet, they're coming into an atmosphere where Jesus is present and ready to meet with them. You said it. Well, Craig, man, like I said, I wish I could talk a lot more. We're going to have to have you back on because I want to talk about your book, um, which, which I've started reading and have really enjoyed, um, uh, how to follow Jesus, a practical guide for growing your faith. But we're going to have to do that another time. No worries. All right, my friend. God bless you. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy, busy schedule to chat. Oh, Adam, I love it. Love your podcast. Thanks for doing this work. You bet, brother. God bless. Bye. Well, I hope you had as much fun listening to that as Craig and I had holding that conversation. Um, as I mentioned at the end of the end of the conversation, Craig is also the author of a book called How to Follow Jesus, A Practical Guide for Growing Your Faith. I really wish we could have talked more about that. Uh, after the recording stopped, Craig and I agreed we're going to get together again, and we'll talk more about that book. Um, for now, that's it. Goodbye. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I want to also encourage you, help us get the word out by joining the Organic Outreach Media Squad. All you have to do is send an email to info at organicoutreach.org and let us know that you want to join the team. If you do, we'll send you one of our newly minted Organic Outreach Media Squad mugs. Just imagine how jealous your friends are going to be when they see you sipping your favorite beverage in one of these babies. I think you want to do it. Well, for now, (laughs) this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.